Hey, Interwed family, this is Pastor Rudy Rodriguez, Calvary City on the Hill in Provo, Utah. Just wanted to thank you all for listening and or watching via the World Wide Web and joining us in worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ or just seeking more information about God. If God puts it on your hearts, would you be willing to join us in partnering through giving to the ministry to bring the gospel to all the world by visiting our website? cityonahillut.org that's cityonahillut all one word dot org and clicking on the donate button any free will offering would be appreciated very much thank you so much god bless you now what an amazing song that that is when you really think about it lead me to the cross bring me to my knees rid me of myself that's a uh, that's a pretty awesome request it's totally anti-us, and uh, that's what's amazing about it, is that, um, and God does that. He honors that prayer. He honors that kind of humility and that kind of uh, willingness uh, to come to Him and to um, believe, believe Him in what He says. And we are, um, I think we're going to be able to finish chapter 14 in Isaiah today. Yay! Maybe. We'll see. Um, but we're in an, in an awesome place, in, in a place that um, sometimes is misunderstood and, and is properly taught in a certain way, but um, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll answer any questions about those confusions and, and go from there. But this morning, um, this is, of course, um, when the mighty are cast down, and, and we're going to see a picture of that. And, you know, that's uh, one of the things about... Uh, um, as I've said before, you know, the idea that uh, man, I mean, in, in his rejection of God and his, his, uh, uh, his fallenness, um, in his, uh, his fleshliness, the idea that this, you know, if, you know, we believe that what the Bible teaches is true. We believe that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he's the God of creation. And then he made all things. And then on the sixth day, he, he, made, uh, he made man. He gathered the dust of the earth and uh, formed man. And he breathed into his nostrils. And, and, uh, and that's how we are, is puffed up dirt. That's it. And the idea that, that, that this puffed up dirt that walks about the earth, that belongs to God, he made it and designed it. He made us to sustain life and or made it to sustain life. And when you think about it, you know, the idea that, that man would reject God, that he would think of himself as something when he's totally dependent on everything that God says and does. We're utterly dependent on that. He takes oxygen away, we're done. He takes the sun away, we're done. He takes water away, we're done. I mean, no matter what you, how you look at it. Um, and the idea that, that we would lift ourselves up and, and the hubris with which sometimes we, we think. And I've talked about that before, that, that idea of, of hubris, this ultimate um, arrogance and, and, uh, and pride. And we're going to focus on that a little bit today because uh, we have to. It's, uh, it's one of the things that God hates the most. Because when you think about it, um, God alone is the one um, who is to be glorified and exalted, and no one else. And sometimes we forget that. And when a, uh, when a man comes into a place of power, sometimes they forget who brought them there. And any one of us, whether it's a man or a woman who's in a place of power, any one of us can get drunk on that power. Especially when you have sycophants that are just people who just agree with everything and, and uh, kind of uh, flatter and, and do all those things that leads you into this. And the enemy does use that. And, and I think sometimes God does use that too to see where our hearts are at. And, um, and it's hard. It's difficult. And sometimes we can follow, find ourselves in a position where uh, we should think um, you know, more of ourselves than we ought. And, uh, <laughs> and then we'll find ourselves in trouble. <laughs> right? Um, that's, uh, that's just the way that it is. Um, I see this all the time. Um, having grown up and being a real uh, kind of a sports nut guy, 
I really loved sports as a, as, a, as a kid and as a young adult and into my 30s. And then when I met Jesus, it just became less and less and less important. Um, but that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. And I, and I you know, I, I used to, um, for lack of a better word, and in my BC era, idolize certain athletes. And then you see them all just, you know, fade away. And, and I could talk about people that I used to thought, think were, man, these guys were outstanding. And, and young people today would be like, who? What? Who was that? I mean, I remember as as a as a young as a in junior high when I was at my junior high through high school, really at my peak at at uh, um, sports interests. I remember reading stories about uh, Jim Thorpe, the incredible the incredible athlete that he was. He he may have been the greatest athlete ever. He was so multi talented, and a lot of people go, "Who?" You have to look him up. You have to look. And Will Chamberlain was another one that was. You know, this guy was way ahead of his time. His abilities were just beyond the, the scope. And unfortunately, he was in a time where they didn't have YouTube and they didn't have, um, you know, all these different platforms where you could watch him and see all the stuff that he was able to do. But he was, he was uh, you know, and, and you get yourself to those positions, those places where people idolize you and they, they you know, they kind of lift you up and they shouldn't. It's, it's detrimental to uh, not too many, there's not too many people on the face of the earth that can deal with that kind of adulation and not stumble and fall and take a hard fall. And so it is with this person that we're going to be reading about. We're going to read through um, uh, 12 through 23, or excuse me, through, uh, yeah, 12 to 20, 23. So we may not get through the whole thing, but um, we'll see. Because um, right now what I want to focus on is is the pride issue. And Here's what's going to surprise you. It's not always that bad. What? Heretic. What are you talking about? Pride. God hates pride. He does. But there are some positive aspects of pride. And I, you know, when, when I, when I uh, uh, was reading through these and, and looking at uh, some of the different places, and it's like there is a time when it's, it's okay to be proud of something. And so we're going to look at the difference between the two and the contrast the negative aspects of pride, which will knock us down every time. The positive aspects of, of pride, which will lift up God. And that's ultimately um, what we'll look at. So let's, uh, let's read these passages real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll continue on. It reads like this, uh, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> so we're in Isaiah 14. Um, for those of you who might be uh, listening online, we're in Isaiah 14. We're going to read 12 through 23. And... Uh, um, also, if uh, you want to uh, visit us on our website, um, it's a cityonahillut.org, and there you can uh, um, look at some of the things that we do and what we believe. You can look at our statement of faith, um, and you can also hit that donate button, because we could always use that, and we would love for you to partner with us in that. But let's read these passages and see what the, what the Word of the Lord has to say. And it begins as following, in verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have been weakened, or you have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Thus, who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities? who did not allow his prisoners to go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you have been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain who are pierced with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a trampled corpse. 
you will not be united with them in burial because you have ruined your country and you have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers not be mentioned forever. Prepare for his sons a place of slaughter because of the iniquity of their fathers. They must not arise and take possession of the earth and fill the face of the world with cities. I will rise up against them. And declares the Lord of hosts, or Yahweh of armies, and will cut off from Babylon um, name and survivors, offspring and prosperity, declares Yahweh, or the Lord. I also make it a possession for the hedgehog, the swamp of water, and I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, declares Yahweh of hosts. Let's pray. Father, what a mighty God that you are. Um, Lord, it's uh, terrifying to think that you know the very thoughts of our hearts, of which we have spoken of um, weeks ago. That you know the intent of the heart, the thoughts of the heart, of every single individual. And Lord, it is a terrifying idea to know when one comes to understand, at least in part, for we cannot fully understand and grasp the holiness of our God, the perfection, the utter perfection that you are. And your word tells us that you know the thoughts of the heart. And even more astounding yet is that you chose to love some of us in a way that we couldn't think or imagine to offer to us and to, to provide for us and assure us of salvation of redemption and love, love unspeakable. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you draw those who are yours. We thank you that you are the God who has created and has provided and who sustains. We thank you that you are the God who is revealed here, who takes the intents of men's hearts and judges them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are, are the God who is able to do all these things and more, and that you are the God who is able to forgive. We praise you, we bless you, we thank you, for you are good. Open up your word to our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our eyes. And those who would be listening online, I pray the same, Lord. For your name's sake and for your glory's sake, we ask it. We thank you, our mighty King, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So um, one of the things that I wanted to clear and get out of the way was um, I know that um, some people do read the King James Version, and in the King James Version, you have um, how you have fallen, O Lucifer. Um, Lucifer, it's, it's a long, kind of a long story, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but it's not a proper name. So it's not like my name would be a proper name, or um, Travis's name would be a proper name, or, or his wife, his lovely wife, Christine, would be, you know, a proper name. It's, it's not. It's actually the, the Latin word, luciferos. It just means shining. That's all it does. So shining or shining one. And so I wanted to discount. Uh, it's popularly taught, and it's been, it's been taught since I was a kid. And looking down the tunnel of time, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I was back in the 70s, y'all, you know, 60s and 70s. So we're talking a long time ago. And I remember hearing this teaching um, that uh, Lucifer was a reference to Satan. And this is a picture of Satan falling. And some people go into Luke where Jesus talks about, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven or cast down and other things. But um, this is not what it's talking about. This is talking about the king of Babylon. And really at this time, the king of Babylon was the king of Assyria because they had overtaken uh, Babylon at this moment. and soon. Babylon was going to overthrow them back, but right now, um, the king of Assyria was ruling over them. And so, the, the point being here is when men rise to these places, and, and Proverbs tells us that, that God is the one who establishes kingdoms, and then he casts them down. He's the one that does that. He's the one that raises men to power, and then he takes them out of the power. He's in control of everything, we believe. and. Um, 
as R.C. Sproul was fond of saying, if there's one maverick molecule in the, uh, in the entire universe, entire of all creation, then God is not sovereign. And that's the idea. That's, that's the, the, he knows everything down to the, to, the, to the atomic levels. And he designed them. <laughs> so he's the best scientist ever, right? And when men lift themselves up, and, and that's why I started speaking like that with, with sometimes um, people that we look up to, we can kind of idolize them, and that, that can cause them to stumble because uh, we don't know what uh, their background is like. And the more, um, the best way I can put it is the more humiliating the, the childhood, the more adulation they get, the easier it is for them to fall and stumble, and get caught up in all that. But here, the idea is, is uh, this taunt that's going to be taken up by uh, the people when the king of Babylon is overthrown. And that's, a, that's an important thing to, to keep in mind, because kings do get overthrown. Um, so this is a taunt against the king of Babylon. The victors frequently sang taunt songs against their victors. You know, kind of like, a, a, um, I can't remember the character's name on The Simpsons, but the... the Nelson, who's, yeah, the ha-ha, the aha guy, yeah. And, and it's kind of that deal where, where once you're set free, you're like, what, this guy was the one? Come on. Um, that's the idea here. They take up this, this taunt, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. Now, this word here, um, Hillel in the Hebrew, this is actually um, looking back in, in, in ancient times at this time, um, it was well known in that part of the, the world. That was more than anything. If you've been up early enough, some of you I know aren't, and some of you I know are, but um, if you wake up early enough, just as the sun is starting to creep up, or as really as, in truth, as the earth is tilting enough to see that sun coming up, right before that you, you see there's a star in the sky, and it's super bright. That's Venus. And that's what the reference is to. They would have known and understood this. And so it's kind of a, uh, a hyperbolic way of, of uh, describing what was uh, going to happen. Um, it's something that you expect. It's something that I can look up in the morning and it's almost always, there's a little small range of, of movement, but it's almost always I can find it in the morning when I get up and I go out and look, I can see it. And there's, you know, there's nothing else in the sky except that star. And it's, uh, and that's, that's more the reference of what it's talking about here. The son of the dawn. It says, you have cut, been cut down to the earth. You have uh, weakened nations. Um, o star, son of the dawn. Literally shining one or son, son, of the, son of dawn. Probably this refers to the planet Venus as I was saying. Uh, rising in the morning, climbing toward the top of the sky. Only to be overtaken by the sun. Which that would preach. Somebody thinks that they're high and lifted up. They're going to be overtaken by the sun. And I don't mean sun, S-U-N. I mean S-O-N, right? And that's a whole message for another day. But um, in the ancient world, observations of this astronomical cycle gives rise to several myths. Uh, Babylon seems to have thought that it's of itself as fulfilling such a heavenly destiny. And the king, therefore, would be lifted up and puffed up. And we can read the story of, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but uh, it also says that uh, they, were, they thought they were fulfilling such a heavenly destiny and becoming an eternal and universal empire. But with the appearance of God, Babylon's light would be extinguished. And, you know, all these uh, kingdoms, even if they're used as judgment, as I've been saying for the last several weeks, they're gods. They belong to him. And he will do with them as he pleases. In verse 13, it says, but you said in your heart. And again, as I was praying, it's, it's a scary thing to think about that. You know, um, God does know what our hearts are pumping. And Jesus himself says, look, when he was, uh, um, when he was rebuking the uh, Pharisees and uh, the disciples had sat down to eat a, a meal and, and the Pharisees came over in their proud they're disciples they're they're not doing the traditions that we're washing the the plates and the doing the things that we do and jesus said 
it's not the things that are on the outside that make a man unclean. It's, it's what, what's inside. Because out of the heart comes murder and adulteries and, and thievery and all these different things. He said that comes from inside. That comes from who you are, which fits in line, by the way, with Genesis 6 and 8, where if you go there, I will uh, um, let you find out that nugget for yourself. It's in Genesis 6 and Genesis 8, where the thoughts of God on how he looks upon man, one of them is before the flood. Another is before the flood, or after the flood, excuse me. So in 6, it's before the flood, and he gives his thoughts of how man is, universally. And in Genesis 8, he does the same after the flood. And you're going to find something very interesting. I'm going to let you dig out that for yourself. Genesis 6 and 8. And it's God's thoughts, how he thinks about man, how he sees man. And I'm going to tell you, there's very little variation. Very little. Okay? So, you said in your heart, and God speaks to this in Genesis, and Jesus proclaims this when he says, it's out of the heart that these things come from. That means it's within us. When people say, well, I'm a good person. Really? <laughs> Let's test that. And all you got to do is ask a series of questions. Just take them down uh, from uh, um, commandment number 5 through 10. And I guarantee you they're going to flunk. I guarantee it. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's lying. Just ask them, have you ever lied? Oh, you know, as a kid. I, I've heard people say that. Well, as a kid. So as an adult, you don't lie. Here. <laughs> you just blew it, pal. <laughs> you just do it. You, you, you just blew it, girl. Yeah. And you can just start with that. Have you ever taken anything? And that, And people just think of things. Have you ever stolen anything? And you know, when you're confronted with that, even, even then, sometimes people, we've gotten, I've gotten to the end of those things and they agreed with me that they're lying, thieving, adulterating, blasphemous, and uh, um, disobedient to parents. And at the end of it, they still say, well, uh, you know, because you ask them, well, do you think if God were to judge you based on just those things, His law, His commandments? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Well, I would still go to heaven because I'm a good person. <laughs> like, oh, hey, we're done here. Um, you know, you, you present the gospel as best you can and, and tell them that, no, no, the wages of sin is death. <laughs> it's not going to heaven. You don't get into heaven by calling God a liar, right? Um, that's just the way it is. And here it says, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. This is pride. This is the epitome of pride. This is a very height of it. Listen to the next thing. I, the king was saying, and kings do say this, despots, tyrants, and the like. They say these kinds of things in their hearts. I will ascend to heaven. Right now we have one in China. And yes, I'm, I'm going to say it. This guy is hell-bent on ruling the entire world. And people need to wake up to this truth. He is hell-bent on this. And that's just the way that it is. That tyrant in China, he's got this in mind. He thinks like this. I will ascend. I will take over and control the entire world for my own kingdom. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. There's only one person that sits on that throne. And the earth is his footstool. And these guys are just puffed up dirt on a blue marble of water. And a little bit of dirt. That's the irony here. This is the epitome of pride. And it will cut you down all the time. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. In the recesses of the north. Now one of the things that I want to uh, clarify is. Um, I know that, that I've said from this pulpit. And I will continue to say it. I've said it in studies. I say it to people all the time. We can be confident that if we have been born again. If we have been. Um, if we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be confident in saying, when I die, I know where I'm going. Now that's the opposite of this pride. This is based upon what this person is doing and who he thinks he is. 
What I am speaking of when it comes and concerns the gospel of Jesus Christ, the eternal gospel, what I'm saying is when we have been born again and we have been made new, we have been made his children. We have been given an inheritance. And that inheritance is eternal life. And that eternal life is in his son, in the very son of God. And what he did on the cross and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day in accordance with scripture. He fulfilled all these things. And we can be confident if we're putting our faith in that. Not in anything in us. Nothing. But everything based upon that. That we're trusting in Him. There's, a, there's, a, there's an eternity of difference in those two mindsets. One of them is humbly coming to the cross of Christ. And going, have mercy on me, O Lord, a sinner. Have mercy on me. And the other is proudly proclaiming what you think you're going to do. And that's why I started, um, opened up with what I was thinking and, and speaking. That it's crazy to think that puffed up dirt would think this way in his heart towards the very one. As, as Jesus said, don't fear man. All he can do is Take your life with the sword and then nothing. He says, fear the one that can both take your life and snuff it out and then cast you into hell. That's the one you need to fear. That's not the devil, by the way. That's not who we fear. We stand firm against him and against his schemes because of what Christ has given us, that armor of God. So this is the epitome of pride and pride will always um, take you down. Um, I will sit on the mountain assembly in the recesses of the north. So according to Canaanite myths, uh, the god El presided over an assembly of gods on a mountain in Syria. Boy, that sounds real familiar, doesn't it, for a myth? Maybe a council of gods we've heard of. Maybe a whole plethora of gods. They're all false. There's only one god. God himself says it. Um, in his omniscience, in the book of Isaiah, we'll get there one of these years. And he says himself, I'm God. There was no God after me and there's no God before me. I know of none. And if anybody should know, it would be him in his omniscience. Because omniscience means I know everything there is to know. Everything. And he says, I don't know of any. So when we worship God, we must worship him as he has revealed himself. Um, and these myths of all these things, um, uh, it's just, they're just nonsense. Babylon was ready to claim this honor for itself. Um, and God says, no, I don't think so. In verse 14, he's, this, this person continues, says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. <whistles> Them's fighting words. Yeah. God will not share his glory with anyone. He says so himself. He alone is the one that is worthy of glory. And he alone will receive that glory. Um, we see a story in the New Testament where somebody, uh, Herod, was, uh, he was proclaiming stuff and somebody, some sycophant, set him up. Said, man, that guy that's speaking, that's a voice of a God. And Herod just kind of went. <laughs> and right then and there, God said, nope. And it says that uh, worms came out of him. It's pretty gross. Pretty amazing story. God doesn't play. He won't be mocked. When it's time for judgment, he comes in strong. This is the epitome of pride. This is... You know, way, way outlandish pride. He says, nevertheless, this is God now. This is the, the prophet Isaiah uh, proclaiming these things to this uh, person. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol. Like, you think you're going up? Nah. Uh-uh. You're going down. Um, and we, we have that uh, in our vocabulary, right? In our, one of the things that we say, you're going down, man. Well, that's the idea. God says, nevertheless, 
you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Sheol being, of course, the abode of the dead. Those who see you will gaze at you. Not only are you going to go down, they're going to look upon you. And they're going to uh, ponder over you saying, is this the guy? Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Um, who made the worlds like a wilderness and overthrew its cities? Who did all the his uh, who did not allow his prisoners to go home? This is um, this is the uh, you know what what uh, um, what we read in early on in uh, Isaiah, where God says He's going to deal with that kind of pride. He's going to humble that kind of pride. And that's why it's important as, as believers that we do walk in humility. Um, that's one of the reasons why, and I know some people struggle with it, but that's one of the reasons why, and, and I'll give the credit to whom the credit is due. Um, you know, when Dave Ramsey says, and somebody introduces themselves and asks him how he's doing, he responds, better than I deserve. That's one of the reasons why I latched on to that saying, because to me, and I believe that if I was to talk to him, I believe he would agree. Um, I understand it as this, that I know what I deserve. I deserve eternity in hell. I deserve God's harshest punishment. That's what I deserve. But anything other than that, it's better than what I deserve. And even yesterday, I was, I can't remember where I was, uh, um, I was at, I think it was yesterday. Um, yeah, it was yesterday, last night, there was somebody that was, that was here, and, and I said that, and they said, oh, you, you know, you, you deserve good stuff. Like, <laughs> you don't know me, pal. I don't want what I deserve. Thank you very much, though. Yeah, so, so that's, uh, that's the idea. Um, uh, so that's, you know, I, I, I've come to understand that, that we deserve nothing. We don't deserve anything. Absolutely zero. And that's hard for us sometimes to grasp, but, especially when you're lost, but, no buts, we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve the next breath. God is just gracious. God is just merciful. God is just kind. And he says to this person, no, 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 no. You're going to be thrust down to Sheol. Who has the power to send to hell? God. doesn't matter how puffed up you get. Ultimately, you're going to deal with God. And then those who see him, like, what? This is the guy? You're kidding me. This guy? Really? Yeah. He's going to be brought low. He says in verse 17, who made the worlds like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow his prisoners to go home. Um, all the kings of the nation lie in glory, each one in his own tomb in verse 18. He says, but you have been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain or pierced with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a trampled corpse. Man, that's pretty descriptive stuff. There's going to be no honor. There's going to be nothing. He's going to be brought beneath low. <laughs> He's going down low. God does not deal well with pride, that kind of pride. He hates it. Yes, God hates. It's one of the things that people struggle with um, because unfortunately, you know, when we're raising our kids, we try to express God's love and we try to tell them that God is love and we forget to, to um, sometimes remind them that God is also holy and that He hates sin. How do we know this? If somebody looks seriously, not just historically, but looks and examines all that took place, you know, we're, we're headed towards Passion Week. And when you look at all the events, this perfect, this one perfect man, this God the Son from all eternity, who took on a tabernacle of flesh, and all the things that took place on that week, when we look at all those things, you see how much God hates sin. He hates it enough to send His perfect Son and to be like one of us, utterly innocent, 
and to pay that price on the cross for our sin. That's how much he hates it. And he displayed it for the entire world to see for all eternity. I can imagine that the angels who knew who he was, how disturbed they must have been to see this unfold. God hates it so much that he was willing to take this perfect lamb and that he would endure what he did in order that we might be saved. He says, you will not be united with them in in burial because you have ruined your country. You have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers not be mentioned forever. Verse 21, prepare his sons for a place of slaughter because of the iniquity of their fathers. They must not arise and take possession of the earth and fill the face of the world with cities. I will rise up against them, declares Yahweh of hosts. Remember, this is a very military term. And then he says, and will cut off from Babylon name, survivors, offspring, posterity, declares the Lord. So what is God dealing with here? He's dealing with, ultimately, he's dealing with the sin of pride, right? Somebody's lifted themselves up. This king, these kings have lifted themselves up in their own hearts and thought themselves something when they're just puffed up dirt. That's all they are. And they've thought themselves something and God deals with them. Um, This is, I want to read from, uh, um, and I put some things in your bulletin, and uh, in Leviticus 26, I want to read about what God says to his people. Um, It's one of those places in, uh, like Deuteronomy, where he he announces blessings and curses for um, obedience versus disobedience. And in Leviticus 26, he's the first opening uh, um, verses, he talks about the positive aspects of, of obedience. And then he goes into verse 18, and he says this of Leviticus 26. He says, If also after these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin. <laughs> That's terrifying. I will also break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent uselessly. For your land will not yield its produce and the trees of the land will not yield its fruit. And I want to commend to you uh, Leviticus 26. There's a few things in your your bulletins that are here. Um, Also 2 Chronicles 26. Um, It tells about how God dealt with Uzziah. Remember, the, who's, who's the king of, of Judah at the time when um, Isaiah begins prophesying? Uzziah. Uzziah the king. Um, here um, in 2 Chronicles 26, 16 through 21, it says this, um, But when he became strong, his heart was so proud. God had prospered him, and he had, he had uh, brought together men um, within the kingdom who invented things for war, machines and, and uh, the machinations of war. They were, they were good at it. And they made things and they did things and, and uh, they, they placed them upon the, the walls so the people, his enemies that were trying to invade would be terrified. And he had a problem. He looked at all the works and said, man, look at that stuff. I'm really something. His heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. He was unfaithful to Yahweh, his Elohim, to the Lord, his God. For he entered the temple of Yahweh to burn incense on the altar of incense. That is, uh, that is blasphemy. It doesn't matter whether he's the king. He doesn't have the right to do this. There's people that whose God has sanctified, set apart for this purpose. And only them, they're the ones who were supposed to do this. And listen to what happens. He decides, you know, I'm really something. I'm going to go light some incense and thank God. Right? It says in verse 17, Then Azariah the priest entered after him 
with and with him 80 priests of, of Yahweh. Valiant men. How do we know they're valiant? What happens when you confront a king? You get beheaded. You get thrown in stocks. You get thrown in prison forever. You get disappeared. Right? When you come against the king. Well, these guys are in the temple and they're like, stop the business, man. We got we to gotta deal with this, guys. We can't let this happen. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to Yahweh, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are what? Consecrated to burn incense. They were keeping God holy at this moment, this time. Saying, God is holy, man. He's, he set us apart for this. I don't think it was a power struggle. I don't think they were jealous. I think they were truly concerned. Saying, hey, this is what God has set us apart for. Don't do this. You're the king. Do not do this. And it says, um, it's for the sons of Aaron who are, who are consecrated. Who are they consecrated by? They're consecrated by God. And they had certain things that they had to do in order to show that they've been consecrated, right? Listen, they just, they were direct. These were men. These were men of God. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have uh, no honor from Yahweh Elohim, from Lord God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. This is the response of a proud, lifted up. Puff of dirt. He was angry. He was enraged. We see enragement going on right now. All around us. Certain groups of people. They can't seem to think outside of rage. They need something to rage at. And uh, it's, uh, it's sad. He was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priests. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Before the priests. And all the priests looked at him. I'm sure their eyes got about this big. <laughs> what? They looked at him and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there. And he himself also hastened to get out. Because Yahweh had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. He lived in a separate house. Being a leper. He was cut off from the house of Yahweh. And Jotham his son was uh, over the king's house judging the people. That's how God deals with it. Sometimes he deals with it suddenly. Sometimes he deals with it over time. But in this case, this king. And we don't see anything here of repentance. We don't see anything of repentance. More than likely because he was so puffed up. It's very possible, I'm just putting this out there, very possible that, you know, he just was too puffed up. And maybe he became angry and blamed God. We can do that. We can have that danger of doing that. That's just one of the stories. And in Isaiah 2, uh, 6 through uh, 18, um, this is where it says, you know, where God deals with the, with the pride of the people, his people. Israel, he says, against all the or against all the ships of Tarshish and against all the beautiful craft, the pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, and Yahweh alone will be exalted in that day. But the idols will be will completely vanish. That's just one of the ways that God He describes. Look, I'm not going to put up with your pride. <clears throat> put up with a lot of things, but I won't put up with pride. He hates it because we're puffed up dirt. We got nothing to be proud of. Now, there is a good pride. There's a positive part of this. Those are some of the negative things. Um, <clears throat> I want to read a couple of Proverbs. Uh, primarily, I want to uh, focus on uh, Proverbs 16.4, uh, but let me read uh, Proverbs 21.24. It reads as following, Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. That's who we just read about, the king of Babylon. I mean, who's really going to say, I'm going to put my throne even above God's? That is, that's crazy kind of pride. That's insane. That's demonic. That's satanic. Okay? Um, 
Proverbs 29, 23. And I think I put all these in your in your uh, bulletins and maybe we'll be able to attach them to um, uh, our online thing so you can go along and look at these things yourself. Because I want you to be Bereans. I don't want you to believe everything I say. I want you to look it up for yourself. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Now, these are some of the contrasts of, of these things. Um, Proverbs 16, 17 through 19. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. That's better to be in the, with the lowly and be humble, to be proud, and to divide the spoil. In Proverbs 16, 4, 6, this is, this is one of the things that just really grasps my mind and my heart. And, and when it says this, it says in Proverbs 16, 4 through 6, the Lord has made everything for its own purpose. That's showing God's sovereignty, showing God's purpose, God's design, God's creative order. He's made everything for its own purpose. Even the wicked for the day of evil. He's even made the wicked for the day of evil. So when we're asking why would God allow for wicked men. It's right there. It's right there. Okay. He says in verse 5. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly. He will not be unpunished. That's, that's a good thing. God has even made the wicked for the day of evil. But they will be punished. They're not going to be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And we see that God displayed that, didn't He? He displayed that loving kindness, that chesed. That word that you have to choke out. Chesed. The loving kindness and truth. Uh, by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And the loving kindness and the truth that he sent was his son, Jesus, to atone for our sin. He says, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. That's ultimately our hope. Is God. If we fear the Lord. That's why the fear of the Lord is wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. When you begin to understand. Man. Um, yesterday I had a, a back and forth encounter on Messenger. With some guy who messaged me and said. You know. Hey. Have you heard the good news? And. Uh, and I said. Oh. But this is. A, you know. This is a good time to respond to somebody. And it distracted me from what I was doing. But. It was like one of those moments, one of those divine appointments, even if it was online. And, and I responded and said, oh, you mean the good news that God, our creator, sustainer and provider, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should have eternal life, and that he died on the cross for our sins and was buried and died again? You mean that good news? And the person took some minutes to respond. And then they're like, um... I'm not sure what you're talking about, but hey, and then they went on with their sales pitch. You know, it's it's stuff that that's it's it's secret and, and you have to go through me and I can I can I can steer you down this road. And, you know, I just responded again in, in, in the, with the gospel. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I said, hey, you know, one of these days you're going to die and you're going to have to face this creator. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. And that's what we deserve. So, but the free gift of God is eternal life in His Son, Jesus Christ. And <laughs> a few minutes went by. And they responded again. They said in the, in the notation something to the effect of you know, question marks, and they're like, it's like I'm, not, I'm still not sure what you're talking about. 
But hey, don't you want some? Don't you want some money? Don't don't you want to be able to have you know money for stuff? You know something to that effect. And and I just said, what is the profit of man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Don't you realize that one day you're going to die? I said, where where are you going to go, my friend? Are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? He says, because you will be judged. You will be judged. You'll be judged for your conning people. You'll be judged for, for all this stuff that you're doing. And you're going to come before God. And he ended the conversation with two or three question marks. And then I got busy doing something else. See, people need to understand, look, we're, we're, we're failures in God's eyes. We're, we're all losers. We're, we're sinners. None of us is worthy of being saved. None of us is worthy of his chesed. None of us is worthy of his mercy and his grace. Nobody. And that's the wonder of it all, isn't it? He looks into the intents of our, of our hearts. And he knows us. Those things that we're ashamed to tell anybody. Those things that we're afraid to share with somebody. Those things that we're guilty of and we know it. God knows it too. And the wonder is that he chose to love us anyways. He chooses to. Because God is a forgetter of those sins when they're forgiven. He doesn't remind us of them. He doesn't beat us over with them. Remember when you did this? Remember when you thought that? Remember when you were... Well, He's forgiven us. When He's forgiven us, we're forgiven. And that's what we have to understand. Um, <clears throat> so we have this, this contrast of different things, of humility and, and pride. Um, James in the New Testament says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And there's nothing more humble than for a person to come to the cross empty-handed knowing they have nothing to offer. And saying, God, I'm a sinner. And I'm deserving of your wrath, deserving of your judgment. Your word says that you sent. Sometimes it's this person said that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. Would you forgive me? I repent of my sin. And would you make me new? Would you make me yours? He gives greater grace. There's no more humiliating, there's no more humble thing that a man and woman can do, that a child can do, than to come to the feet of Jesus on the cross knowing that he paid the price. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, um, it says this, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you um, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. This is the posture of the Christian, to walk in humility. And forgive me, Lord, because I'm not always that humble. It's a struggle. It is hard. We can get in our flesh pretty quick, and it easily entangles us. Yeah. And uh, he says, this is what you're to do. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, positive aspects of pride. Um, one of the positive things, if you remember from Isaiah chapter 4, um, reads this, verses 1 through 3. For seven will, uh, women will take hold of one man in, in the, that day, saying, we will eat our own bread. And wear our own clothes. And let us be called by uh, your name. Take away our reproach. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the earth will be the pride of, uh, and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. It will come about, about on, uh, that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem. In Psalm 40, verses 3 through 5. But he put a new song, God. God, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust. 
and has not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done, and your thoughts towards us. Um, There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. The, the positive parts, being proud of who our God is, um, and that He will lift the humble. He will lift the head. He is the lifter of our heads. Um, I want to finish with this. In uh, Psalm 94, reads this. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour forth words. They speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush your people, O Lord. They afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the orphans. They have said... That the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, he does, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are a mere breath. Humility is the very opposite. See, it's the, 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 the total opposite of what pride is. And as I've said, the most humbling thing that we've ever seen is what we see was written in, in Philippians and what we see was displayed on the cross. Our God, God the Son from all eternity, taking on that tabernacle of flesh. And he didn't hold on to that when he was here, greedily grasping onto that. No, he made himself like you and I with a tabernacle of flesh. And he didn't hold on to that. Nothing can be more humbling than that. And not even that, even more so, The fact that he was this perfect human. And that he gave himself. And that he was falsely accused. And that he was beaten. Spit upon. And mocked. And he didn't do anything about it. Except go forward. And that he. Ultimately surrendered his life. An offering. A beautiful offering of incense. To our God and King. Our propitiation. So that we could know. We have eternal life. In his son. He humbled himself. To the point of death. Even death on a cross. Despising the shame. He went forward and did that. The most humbling act. And Paul says. As you as Christians. And you that are out there listening as Christians. Have this attitude in yourself. Give your life for him. Lay down your life for your friends. Lay down your life for your enemies. Lay down your life and love them. Pray for them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who speak evil of you. Pray for them. It takes a mighty God who's full of chesed. Who loves us. To do that work in us. Desire that power of the Holy Spirit. To be able to do that. Because apart from that. We can't do it. And we need him. And only in him can we do this. And this is the opposite of this pride. This person was going to be cast down. And their lot had been written. Yours doesn't have to be. It can be eternal life. And it's life that we find only in Jesus Christ. As we surrender to him and receive him to ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your mercy. 
We thank you for your love which was demonstrated on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to not only take on our sin, but to become sin, the very image of it, so that we could become your righteousness. And it's only in you. I thank you, Lord, for all these things. I pray, Lord, that you would drive out and that we would cry out, Lord, remove any pride. We're just puffed up dirt. What do we have that we should be prideful of anything? Everything that we have, we do not deserve. It is only and simply by your grace, by your chesed, by your loving kindness, your everlasting, merciful, loving kindness. And what a glorious, gracious God who has showed himself to be that God and deals with us in that way. Remember us, O Lord, in your mercy and your grace and the power of your forgiveness the healing that comes from it. Pray, Father, for those who maybe are hurting, who have been wounded, and who need to be healed, who need to forgive their oppressors, who need to be healed. Father, I pray that you would just bless them even now and heal them, save them. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all these things. And we pray, Father, that you would just continue to Open up your word to our minds and hearts and and these truths that are written therein and that we would flourish, not for the sake of our kingdom, but for the sake of your kingdom, and that it would be multiplied through us. In Jesus' holy name, amen.